recording? No, seriously, I'm asking. I I don't know if we're recording or not. Yeah, recording. Yeah, recording. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Double teamed it. Uh, this is Mom's Basement Podcast, episode fifty-two. Um, we compete with a podcast that I've never actually listened to. Edition. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we get to answer the question. <laughs> if we can't beat a boner, what good are we? Not so good, I guess. <laughs> I regularly have trouble beating boners. <laughs> yes, but even back, why don't you talk about that? Nah, I don't want to take up any time, but yeah, I just I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, you already kind of um, went into that territory in episode 50, and it got us yeah. all of seven hits. <laughs> <laughs> It may be our least listened to episode ever. <laughs> All right, so here's what's uh, going on here. Because, uh, <laughs> as you can probably tell, my co-hosts aren't fully like even aware of what's happening right now. Basically, what's going on here is we challenged the Shark Boners. You may have heard of them. Second greatest podcast in the world. You know, ours being the first. And what happened is... That I basically just sent um, Devon a message saying, "Hey, dude, let's do a like you do uh, your GM brief to gather movie ideas. How about um, you and I? We, let's let's let's, do, let's your team versus our team. Let's do a challenge just for the lulls." And they accepted. So now we're doing it, and the movie is How to Train Your Dragon. So if you are if you have not listened to the show, which I mean I don't know why you haven't. Because it's the second greatest podcast in the world. Basically, they take a movie and they pick like two or three topics each, and they point out stuff that you can do to help enhance your RPG gaming. You know, to help you boner up on your experience. Booyah! No one saw that, but I just turned the light off with my foot. <laughs> basically the light switch was too far away for me to reach with my headphones on and i didn't want to miss any of alex's like explanation of what we were doing since i have no idea what we're doing <laughs> so i had to get off my chair and get on the floor and angle myself in kind of a right angle position and just barely and i couldn't reach it with my foot so i have to had to put my shoe half on and <laughs> to light switch. <laughs> but in the process of this in undertaking this incredibly intricate and difficult task, I actually didn't hear a single fucking thing that Alex said. But I think I got the gist of it. <laughs> there yes, we go. That's how much I care. <laughs> Alright, so who would like to start us off? I think Alex, you should start us off since you uh, know the format. So <laughs> Of so course I should start us off. Oh. Just to get things straight, though, we watched we watched the movie. The movie was How to Train Your Dragon. And, uh, yeah, we watched that fucking movie, and now we're going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think before we, we go in into RPG ideas, we should talk about the movie a little bit. Okay. Is that cool? Because not all of our listeners um, may have seen the movie, because I kind of feel like... The overlap between PG-rated family films and Mom's Basement podcast might be small. <laughs> oh. Yeah. All right. Well, then, since you suggested it, Will, why don't you give us the synopsis? Oh, this kid trains a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. No. <laughs> like, his dad wants to fight him, but he convinces him that, like, dragons are cool, basically. No, I mean, basically, it's a family film about Vikings, which is something that shouldn't exist, by the way. <laughs> Given what, you know, what Viking, Vikings do, there, there's remarkably little rape in this film for a film about Vikings. Yeah, see, I was about to say a family film about Vikings would be acceptable if it was just salt rape. <laughs> I guess it depends on the family. But anyway, um, so the Vi there's this colony of Vikings that live on an island. The island is tormented by dragons. Vikings kill a bunch of dragons. Dragons kill some Vikings. The vast majority of this killing takes place off screen, 
Although a couple of sheep and some fish get killed on screen. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And uh, so basically this like nonconformist kid hooks up with a dragon and like proves that, I don't know, love, like interspecies love is a good thing or something. And he and the <laughs> dragon like fly around and you get, you get a good 30 minutes of, of uh, where where they just rip off the magic carpet scene from Aladdin, but with a dragon, which, which really does improve the scene. I have to. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's they tacked on a big epic battle scene involving a lots lots of dragons and an even bigger dragon and some Vikings at the end. So uh, I don't know, B minus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, definitely when I was watching it, there was quite a few moments in there when I was like, uh, man, this movie's pretty darn long. And then I looked at back at the timer and go like, whoa, no, actually, this movie's pretty darn short, but this just feels very long. Um, so, yeah, I would have to say, I, uh, me being, you know, the anti-hipster hipster, I have to grade this lower than you know, what Will has to. So I was going to give it more like a C because it was like, it was meh. Like I really would have, I really would have liked the story more if they didn't use 3D, you know, the CGI shit, because mm. mm. it's been fucked out. And I know it's probably semi easier for them to do that than actual yeah. animations. Uh, yeah. But come the fuck on, that's what Actually, I have to say about that. Holy shit! I have to agree with Alex. <laughs> oh, hold on. What? I know. <laughs> Even though Alex and I have like pretty much. Made a rep. The only reason to listen to this podcast is to listen to Alex and I disagree, <laughs> and also to listen to Rudy actually say competent, like great things. But the only reason to listen to Alex and I <laughs> is to listen to us fight with each other. But I have to. T- I-, I totally have to agree with Alex on this one. The animation was probably the weakest part of this film. I I would and and it, you got tantalized by all those scenes when they open up the dragon manual or whatever and they had the awesome illustrations of dragons. Yeah. And I was like, why couldn't the whole movie have been animated like that and that kind of um Oh, I don't know, like I don't even know how to describe it. like carnival painting style. Like yeah. um they're kind of like an illuminated manuscript. Or yes. Something. Yes, right. Exactly it. Like an illuminated manuscript. That would have been amazing. That would have been cool. I mean, I, yeah, sorry, Rudy. Well, I didn't really mind the animation mm-hmm. so much. I thought it, I mean, I, I don't really like 3D movies as much as I like, you know, hand-drawn animation stuff. Right. But I thought that this did a pretty good job of keeping the animation consistent, at least, through mm. the film. And that was one thing that, I mean, it wasn't distracting for me, basically, like some 3D animated movies are. Yeah, that's true. It was actually a little distracting for me because maybe it's just the fact that that three years have passed since this film was made, but it looked very, like, cheap to me. Mm. (laughs) And, And it's probably just the fact that now, you know, you have video games that run and look like this movie. Yeah. Um, but it, it seemed a little, eh. you, you know, it, it was, it's seemed a little rough around the edges compared to Pixar films and things, but I guess that's how it's going to be. Yeah. I did think that, you know, the dialogue and the storytelling and, and, and all of that were pretty solid, pretty, it was a decent film. I would have loved the shit out of this film when I was like 10 years old. This would have been, like, my favorite film, I'm sure. But uh, not so much now. And I do think it's cool that there's a... I mean, there's nothing really new about the idea of taking something that would normally be the villain in a children's film and making it, the like, the hero. That's been done and done and done and done and done. But, like, dragons are cool, so... I'll give them a pass on that this time. It was cool to see... Like, isn't that... I don't know. Maybe, maybe I was the only kid who fantasized about, like, riding dragons and shit. But I'm sure I'm not, or this film wouldn't exist. Yeah. But, no, dragons are definitely pretty cool. 
But RPG ideas. Alex, you were going to get us going on that, I think. Yes, I was going to warm you up. Mm-hmm. Work you over with, with a good idea. <laughs> all right. So, um, yeah, I've been doing that all week, by the way, where I, I've just been trying to purposely say inappropriate things just to, just to see somebody like pay attention to what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. So uh, one idea that I was uh, looking at here was uh, throughout the movie, there was a, um, a common like, you know, thing going on there where um, I, I uh, noticed that there was a lot of nonverbal communication. And that was one of my points. Where um, throughout the movie, the uh, you know the boy there, the main hero, was uh, paying attention to what the you know dragons were actually doing and things like that, and that uh, by actually you know speaking to them with uh, with motions instead of like you know actually pretending that the dragon understood English, made it to where he was actually able to do things. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you guys, but whenever I've uh, played uh, like Dungeons and Dragons or something like that. I've always hated the fact, like, the wizard or, like, the druid could just talk to their pet companion as if they were fucking telepathic. And the idea that um, they would have to be able to talk to their animals like the way they were doing in this movie would bring a lot... Uh, uh, there would be a lot more emotion into the um, into the characters and would actually be pretty uh, intense or, or, or dramatic, you know, that kind of thing. I think that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, it'd definitely be cool to see that take on druids or, like, you no. Know... The animals aren't fully sentient, and they're, or maybe they are, or maybe there's dispute about like whether they are or not, and like you just kind of have to, you leave that open, kind of. Yeah, and I think that would be especially cool in a live action game, or at least a like pseudo LARP, <laughs> where you actually have to act out the nonverbal communication, especially yeah. if another player is playing the animal companion. Yeah. Oh, wait, Alex made that game. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was my point. And, like, like you guys are doing, you just, you know, you go off of it. If you think you can add something to it, go ahead. If not, you know, we can stop and move on to, your, to, to one of your guys' things. Rudy, did you have anything to add to his... What to add to that? Um, not really. I don't really have anything to add. But, uh, I mean, I know in most games like Dungeons & Dragons, dragons are depicted as being, like, really super intelligent. Yeah. And basically with human-like intelligence. You know, not that humans are super intelligent, but that they think like humans and they have, you know, like, they keep... They keep, uh, you know, intricate layers that conform to their personalities. They keep, they hold grudges and stuff like that. They, you know, they have human forms a lot of time. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I think it'd be pretty cool to have a game that was sort of, uh, you know, that took it from, like, a, I don't want to, I don't know if the word is zoological or ecological. I don't know. Right. Took it from that perspective. That'd be pretty neat. Yeah, there aren't really enough games about, like, the ecology of a dungeon, or the ecology of a fantasy world. And I mean, it was obviously in this movie as kind of a, you know, environmental statement. (laughs) But even so, I think it would be really cool to have a game that took that was really about the ecology of the dungeon. You know, that was really about how the shit that lives in there lives in there. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, there are always some hints of that in, in some of the old, you know, modules and dungeons and things. It was like, you know, they'd throw you a bone every once in a while and explain, you know, how the lizard folk got down there and what they were eating or whatever. But... <laughs> I think it would be really cool to have a game where the dungeon was really, truly a living environment. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I, I think I was going to run something like that at once, and I don't know how I was going to do it or what I was going to do with it. Um, yeah, but that would be that would be cool, especially if it was like a dynamic living environment. Uh, like some the kind of shit that so many... MMORPGs try to pull off but right. never succeed at doing. I'd like to see that 
on the tabletop. Hmm. But I, I don't know how you would do it. Well, um, I mean, that's all you need to leave it at that. You don't need to actually provide an answer. Just point out something. Okay. Cool. So, Rudy, did you have anything that this movie, in any way that this movie inspired you? Well, the beginning of this movie, um, when I first saw it, I was actually really impressed by the, uh, the beginning scene where the dragons come in and basically rape the town pretty nice. And, uh, I just thought it looked really, uh, I don't want to say realistic because it wasn't realistic, but it really showed, like, everything about, like, how, how the, the dragon attacks, like, affected the town, sort of, mm. affected the townspeople. But it didn't show enough of that for my perverted satisfaction. <laughs> so what I was thinking of is, what if you have, I mean, what if you have a game that is basically, like, a fantasy town or a fantasy, you know, environment dealing with some kind of disaster. I think that would be really neat. You know, and dealing with it in depth. You know, where you see, you see the, you know, the, you get scenes from the, like the hospital or something where they're caring for their wounded and, you know, they have to saw off somebody's arm because it got toasted by a dragon or whatever. And, like, people basically, uh, well... There should be more of the aftermath, basically, of, of that kind of thing. I that that was something that I thought was kind of missing from the attack. The attack itself looked really cool, especially the uh, Night Fury or whatever it was. is that what it was called, the Night Fury. Yeah, I think the so. Big, yeah, but uh, that looked really neat, and uh, I like I like the general chaotic feeling that it provided, but. Uh, mm. What I'd really like to see is something that covers more in detail the aftermath, because you really didn't see anything. It looks like basically they attacked the town and maybe stole a sheep. Yeah. And that, that was about it. <laughs> I mean, they burned the town, but, like, you never saw any dead Vikings. You never saw, like, any Viking mass graves or anything like that. <laughs> like, you know, it was just... And you never saw what they did with the dragon's corpses either. Right, exactly. Yeah, it was kind of like uh, most of those children's movies where all that violence happened, but you don't see anything happen like afterwards. Like you know, okay, like like you said, like what did they do with the bodies? Is it one of those things where uh, they just like kick them in the ocean, or is it just one of those things where it's like like do they eat it? Like yeah, what do I they mean, do? yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, see, I'd like to see a game that deals with fantasy style disasters. So kind of like, oh, okay. Go instead ahead. of like a tsunami or a uh, yes. or a Three Mile <laughs> Island or yes. Chernobyl or something, it's like after a dragon attack or after the wizard like uses his cataclysmic ninth level spell to level the village. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And uh, it might be due to the fact that um, <clears throat> I just visited Gettysburg the Battlefield, <laughs> but uh, they they spent. If, if anybody's ever been there, they spend a good, like... There are these big rooms that you walk through, and you're basically walking through the war as you go through them. Wow. And, like, every detail of, you know, the war. And, and there's the Morgan Freeman documentary that, uh... <laughs> of course. <laughs> narrated by Morgan Freeman. That, yeah. uh, you know, that kind of... kind of pulls everything together. But basically, like, you see all the uniforms, and you see, like how people live and then like at the towards the end there's like the part about the aftermath about like burying the soldiers and stuff like that it's like well there's seven thousand bodies here what the fuck are we gonna do to them do with them you know and they had like they had newspaper clippings of basically like the mayor or somebody um asking for volunteers to help bury all the bodies and that kind of shit and that, that's one thing I've always wondered about with, uh, maybe because of the way my mind works and <laughs> my particular fetishes and whatever. But, uh, you know, how, what is, what does the fantasy FEMA look like? You know, how do they <laughs> deal with a natural disaster or a non-natural disaster? You know, how do they deal with disasters? And how does that, how does that really affect the people, you know, right. in these stories? 
And I mean, I didn't expect to see that in a children's movie. I didn't expect to see dragons getting bulldozed into a mass grave or something. <laughs> but it would have been nice, you know. Mm. It would have been cool to have something like that. Yeah, um, I, I want I want to add on to that because like um, basically when I, when, I, when like you were saying that, I completely agree. There are so many um, you know, mainly because the majority of people who do these fantasy games, like when we actually like role play them and stuff like that. They go for the soap opera-esque styles where it's like, don't pay attention to any of the details because if you did, it would kind of like, you know, ruin the moment. But, uh, you know, if, but if you, if you see those just, you know, explosion, 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 followed by like, you know, he's not your baby. It's, it's your cousin's baby. It's like, <laughs> oh my God, you know, and, you know shit like that. Jerry, there's just, Jerry. yeah, there's just so many like climatic scenes going on that it's just like, you know, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck. But yeah. like, you know, in reality, there are tons of times where there's a lull in in the moment where the people yeah. in the front are like, you know, they're frantically trying to stay alive because, you know, they're they're shooting, they're hacking and slashing, all that kind of stuff. And then there's yeah. the people like, you know, outside of the kill zone who have to like either, you know, wait for, you know, their turn in line and there's all, <laughs> you know, the, the tense, uh, you know, build up before then. And then further back on that part of the line where, where all like the generals and all that kind of stuff, the wounded get taken back there. It's almost like a, there's like a cycle of death going on that we're only getting to see one part of it. But meanwhile, almost all the rest of it is so interesting and just not explored in games. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And I would definitely love to have a game like that. Yeah, I agree. And, and I actually tried to design a game like that, if Rudy remembers. Yep. And... Uh, it, it didn't really totally work out, but it was about like the aftermath of dealing with epic level characters. <laughs> like after the twentieth level wizard and fighter are done fighting, like what does that do to the environment, and what does that do to the people who are in the town that they happen to be fighting in? <clears throat> it was after playing in an epic level campaign. I was like, wow. Like, but what about everyone else? <laughs> <laughs> Totally. And it had mechanics for generating, like, post-apocalyptic scenes, or or at least post-disaster scenes. Yeah. All right, so, Will, I think it's your turn to give us something. It is. You know what, really, when thinking about this movie as an RPG, in some ways it's almost too easy, because the, the, the movie felt like it was written as an RPG. I mean, the dragons even had fucking stats, for Christ's sake. Oh, yeah. That was pretty... That was a nice touch. And there was even the little fanboy guy who, like, knew all the stats and memorized them. The rules lawyer guy. Yeah. And there was a manual called the Dragon Manual or something like that. And it was... it was And it was basically the monster manual. You open up the manual, it has pictures of the monsters, and it has their stats, and it has a little bit about them, and... It seemed very uh, meta, I guess, if you're thinking about it from an RPG perspective. Yeah. It, it very self-aware, you know. Oh, and then there was definitely a lot of wisecracks with the people. This is almost like a satire of Dungeons and Dragons, right? Than it is like an actual, like you know, legitimate story. Although it, the strange thing was that it didn't really. Um, Aside from that, it doesn't really get into, like, the tropes, I guess you would say, of Dungeons and Dragons, or it doesn't get into, like, the um, themes or, or or the structure, I guess is what I'm looking for, of a D&D campaign, you know, or, or a D&D game, or even a general role-playing game. You know, there was no dungeon crawling. If you're talking about the structure of the movie, it was structured very much like your typical family animated film Mm -hmm. you know it had the crisis between a child and their parent that takes on these these big you know that's painted on this big canvas with these big mythological theme uh mythological content and and um and all of these and it proceeds you know it has the same exact structure where you know the kid doesn't get along with his dad or his and then um 
something magical happens and he does get along with his dad, but it's based on a lie. And then the lie is shattered. And then they, he and his, his dad's like, I don't want to fucking see you again. And then, of course, <laughs> it's not that he saves his dad and it turns out the kid was right all along. And, and then they reconcile. And, uh, and, and of course, this is absolutely nothing like real parent-child relationships. But it's very much like every other fantasy film ever. And it certainly doesn't seem to have much, um, you know, it doesn't feel like a role-playing game when you're watching it. It doesn't, but it has all those little, like, nudges to RPGs thrown in. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I like self-referential games, obviously. (laughs) But I'm not sure I would like this kind of self-referential game, where it's like, lol, these dragons have stats, and we're talking about the stats in character. That seems like it'd mostly just be obnoxious to me. <laughs> okay. Now, the, it, when, I, when I was seeing that, because like I, I was, I agree with you, because there was there was a lot of referential humor there uh, related uh, to you know a lot of this kind of stuff, you know, the fantasy, the Vikings, all that jazz. Like I, I think there there was a lot more uh, going on, where, which is why like I felt some of the story was a little phoned in. Well, there there was a lot of um, there was too much uh, reliance on uh, you know just just using hey we're Vikings we're fighting dragons you know like that that kind of thing there was too much of the like isn't this awesome you know as we point to the backdrop of you know Vikings and you know dragons fighting each other isn't this great there was too much of that that it, it kind of hampered the the uh, the scene structure a, a little bit because. There, there was just so much that could have been done uh, else with it to make it a little more interesting. Like, uh, you know, referencing that whole, like, you know, manual and everything. Like, it would have been uh, pretty interesting if they actually had it to where um, more than just the standard four showed up. Because, like, throughout the entire film, only four dragons, different types of dragons, actually showed up throughout the entire film. And, yeah, four or five. And then when you flip through the actual, like, when they flip through the actual book, there's at least, like, seven shown. Right. And there's supposed to be, like, probably, like, 50 of them at least in the book. And yet you didn't, you only, you saw, like, the very small glimpse of it. You basically saw all, like, the level one dragons show up instead of, like, the level five dragons show up. Well, there was level 21 at the end. <laughs> yes, but, yeah. They, 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 they didn't, they didn't crank, they didn't ratchet it up. They just, they went very, like, you know, very low, 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 that all of a sudden, like, OMG, run for your lives, kind of thing. But, Alex Wingle, you are in luck. You know why? Why? They're making a sequel. Well, they're also making a TV show. Well, there you go. You'll get to see all of the dragons and then some. If I wanted to see this thing again. Yeah. (laughs) If you did. (laughs) All right, so... Is there, is there anything else you guys want to add on to to that? <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I just I I also like self-referential stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, but this kind of felt a little bit cheesy as yeah. far as the references. I mean, I know it's a children's movie, and it's not, you know, it, every every self-referential fantasy film is always gonna be like too cheesy for people who are really into role-playing games and that kind of shit. Yeah. And, but I just thought, you know, the jokes were kind of, kind of hammy and kind of meh. Yeah. And it's the kind of stuff that you would see in maybe some D&D campaigns <laughs> that, uh, you know, that want to, that try to be self-referential, but don't want to take it all the way. Kind of don't want to take it to the full meta extreme of like, I don't know, like, um, Basically, the adventure, the adventuring party being composed entirely of the real life players of the game, <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. You know, something really fucking meta. Right. I but, think uh, we've done that. Yeah, I think we have actually. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. We're kind of jaded on meta because we we've been we were so meta for so long <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. and in so many terrible ways. All right, right, right. All right, so I'll go on to my next point here. <laughs> okay, so I thought this was pretty darn good here because I, I, when we were, it was around like minute forty nine or something like that. Because I, I marked every time I like thought of an idea, 
I, I marked down the minute that it happened. But um, it later on, like in the pretty much in the middle of the movie, there, um, the dad gives him a family heirloom, like you know, like a little treasure, uh, like um, and it was his mom's uh, breastplate, like half of it, and he formed it into a hat, you know, a sky, you know, a, a, a helmet. And I was thinking that, you know, with all, like, most of the people who like to play, you know, those kind of fancy games, if they get anything, like, that's a relic or, like, a magical item, they want it to be, like, a plus four flame sword or something like that. They want it to be, like, like oh, my God, this is so amazing. This is going to help me so much, you know, magical, you know, items. But a lot of the times that just, you know, it power creeps so much to where to the point where, like, if you get this awesome piece of item the only way to beat you know to make you even have a challenge is by you know up in the ante so like this idea there of like you know using you know stuff small stuff like that or they're precious items but they're not so amazing that uh it'll uh, tip the, the, the scale too much this is a this, that, there was a good example of that being done because that helmet is just an ordinary helmet but it's your mom's right boob bringing your guard <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, that that was one of my ideas there. Hmm. Rudy. Yeah, I think it'd be pretty cool to have more uh, more fantasy games design around, like I guess, legacy items. You know, items that are important because of what they represent or whatever, or what they, you know, like this is my dad's sword or this is my mom's right boob breastplate. Or whatever, <laughs> and uh, you know things that have power, and maybe find a way to work that into the game so that you know it it comes up. Yeah. But uh, you know it doesn't have to come up as this is my dad's plus nine sword or whatever that fucking kills everything. You know, have have ways to maybe get into the history of the different items. Maybe you know with flashbacks or something like that. And, uh, you know, make, like, a game centered around the legacy of an item would be really yeah, cool. that's what I was going to say, actually. That would be really neat. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be awesome if there were more games, or at least one game that was really designed around the character, or excuse me, the players creating items as opposed to creating characters, mm. and then watching as that item moves from either down from generation to generation or gets passed from hand to hand or whatever. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. (laughs) And Alex is laughing because he remembers that I mentioned this on the podcast before. But there's this shitty, like, one-star independent film about this $20 bill, watching this $20 bill get passed from person to person. And there was this old Showtime series that I think lasted one season, and it was also crappy. And it was called Dead Man's Gun. And it was about, from episode to episode, the gun would pass to a new owner, who inevitably got killed at the end and passes to someone else. But something like that, you know, like the dead hero's sword, you know, <laughs> like, just so that you'd be playing a different unlucky failed hero from session to session but you'd still have something to hold them together in the form of this item and maybe the item would gain experience or the item would gain levels and that would be a way that you could have something that was episodic you know where each adventure or session could stand alone but also had like a a serial element to it that was serialized in a way and so that there was something you could hold on to that would advance and that would, uh, you know, anchor you in the game as it moved along instead of it just being, a, you know, a bunch of discrete, separate sessions. I think that would be cool. Yeah, go, going off, what I was laughing at was not that, was not that, was that almost every single point you've made so far, you've referenced it in, from another, like, episode. <laughs> like, <laughs> Everything couldn't just be related related to this, you know, movie. It had to be like, oh, remember that one time we did this? You know. <laughs> well, this is uh, episode fifty-two. Will just fucking phones it in so he can go to work tomorrow. <laughs> edition. 
But uh, I wanted to add on to that because, like, yeah, there actually are some items that, you know, are of real importance that really have no value in terms of, like, what it really does. Like, for example, and I'm going to get, you know, a little sacrilege on this, the Holy Grail. It just fills water. It's just, it's everlasting water. Who gives a fuck? (gasps) Oh my God. But you know what I'm saying, yes. right? In terms of like, you know, yeah. step by step, what does this magical item do? And then when you read what mm. it does, it's like, oh, great. I guess because everyone lived in the fucking desert when that story came around, that's a pretty good item right there. But like everywhere else, <laughs> not so much. So like, and, and it's very famous. People you know, died for it, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's like, why not? have your magical items be something like almost trivial like that where they're very good they, they do something very great but they don't have to be you know like a, like you know Rudy and I was mentioning like you know you're, they don't have to be your plus five flames or they don't have to be able to cleave things in half they don't have to kill they can sometimes you know just help and there are also mm-hmm. other there are also other items out there like just as some references there I, I, I made this one before but like Indiana Jones's hat it's so darn important to him that he 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 risks life and limb for it when it's just a fucking hat. He can get any other hat like this. He can replace it with the greatest of ease, but it's his. Mm. The hat makes the man. <laughs> I thought it was the clothes that make the man. Well, the hat is the clothes. The hat is one clothes. Unless you're. Ooh, yeah. Living in a Chinese sweatshop, in which case you make the hat, and the, uh, the man makes the hat. <laughs> yeah, the man makes the hat exactly, <laughs> or the child makes the hat. Yeah, yeah. All right, so Rudy, go. You're, you're next. <laughs> um. Okay, I thought uh, the part where he actually learns how to fly the dragon was really neat, um, because most movies don't really show that, or they kind of. Like, gloss they kind of, yeah, they gloss over it or brush it off with like, oh well, he flies it with magic or some shit, <laughs> or he has to tame it like you would tame an ordinary creature, you know. But the way he used the, uh, what was it? it? Was like some kind of harness or something that he had. He had the special harness, and then he and had was like the cheat sheet of the different positions he'd have to like move his body in in order to move the uh, yeah dragon. Yeah, and he actually had, like, a prosthetic or something that he used to, uh, to move it around or something. But I just thought it was really cool. And uh, I'd like to see more of that in role-playing games. Uh, as far as tame... I'm, I'm a big fan of taming strange creatures in role-playing games. And because when I go into any game, basically, I'm looking at the monster manual, and I'm saying, okay, I want to ride that one. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Even if it's something that you would never be able to fucking ride. Like, right. You know, like, uh, oh, I don't know, like a... Uh, like a dragon? A Crenshaw. Yeah, or <laughs> a, a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> well, people ride dragons all the time, though. That's the thing. But it'd be cool to see that kind of uh, that kind of ingenuity. Right. You know, like where you have to capture some mythical animal. Right. You're talking about like riding the gelatinous cube and making the the um, saddle out of the like one element that it won't dissolve, so you can exactly. exactly. Oh, and not trying to kill you. You actually being able to ride it without it trying to eat you in the process. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I can ride it for thirty seconds and then I'll be dissolved. <laughs> no, I I just love. Uh... I like creative problem solving in mm. RPGs, and I think uh, what better place to find it than, you know, how to tame a really strange, possibly dangerous animal that uh, might kill you. I'm yeah. surprised you haven't made that RPG yet. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it'd, it'd be kind of cool to have something like, uh, you know, or, or like you're a poacher or something, and you get to roll around and get all these exotic animals that nobody's supposed to have. And, right. You know, that kind of stuff, but yeah. That'd be cool. Pretty neat. Alex, do you have anything to say about Rudy's idea? Well, I, too, would actually like that. I, uh, I, I, I really, it's one of those things where that, that is definitely a good point, because a lot of times they hand wave uh, the, the the shit like that because they think it's like you know it takes up too much time 
when really it could just be something that you drag along uh, where it doesn't have, yeah. it doesn't have to be like I ride this horse right now or I don't kind of thing. It could be over time because like in the movie, it was done over time. It wasn't done instantly. It wasn't mm. as soon as I gave him the fish, he was my bitch. It was, you know, <laughs> you know, this was step one in the process. It was, you know, it was a multi-level, you know, it was a multi-campaign, multi-session campaign to get this, you know, to get this dragon for me to ride. And like, you know, why not have it be like that? You know, why not to have it to where instead of spending two weeks waiting, uh, you know, for your character, you know, for some other character to forge his uh, his dagger? Because remember how long it takes that in D and D? It takes a very long time in the game. <laughs> instead of having to be like that, it could be something to where he does it as he goes along, you know, the road. Like maybe he has enough equipment to like, you know, to do it as like you know during the nighttime. And so, you know, just allow that. Hand wave that part. Instead of having to be a fucking douche and say, no, you have to have an anvil, you have to have a hammer, and a blah, blah, blah. You know, make it to where you can do something <laughs> like that. And that way, you know, you can, uh, you know, you can extend the process and make it to where it isn't uh, a pain in the ass to do. Because that's what happens a lot of the times. A lot of the times people think that stuff's a pain in the ass because they force it yeah. to be a pain in the ass when they don't need right. to be a pain in the ass. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's how to make that process fun to play. And right now, it's really almost the worst. The way games like D&D handle it are almost the worst possible way to handle it, right? Because because an airplane flies over my apartment and deafens you and you can't hear anything I'm saying. But anyway, because what does D&D make you do? It makes you make sure you have all the supplies, and if you don't have them, well, you better go shopping. And then you say, okay, I've got my supplies. I'm going to or into my item, or I've got the, I caught this creature, I'm going to train it. So what you do then, you wait two weeks, wait three weeks, wait six months. Yeah. And that, and even though that waiting is supposed to be your character forging the item, or your character training the animal, or whatever, what it really boils down to is, this thing is on ice, I don't get to use it until the cooldown expires. Right. <laughs> and that's just stupid, you know? As opposed to finding a way to make you really play out these scenes where you're training this thing, or think, as Rudy said, use creative problem solving to get past the obstacles that are between you and being able to ride this thing, or being or having this item or this weapon. You know, having the D, the DM say, "Oh, well, you try to do this. Well, it does that. What do you do in response?" You know. Mm. You try to feed it this fish, but you know it won't eat. Well, why won't it eat? You know, and then you think, oh well, maybe it doesn't like the fish, or maybe it's an animal that won't eat in captivity, and and maybe I need to figure out a way to do that, or maybe it's an animal that, you know, lives in some kind of community. You know, like in like a giant ant or something. Giant ant won't eat. Well, there's. The giant ant isn't shit without the colony, you know, and maybe it's just going to starve to death unless you can get some more giant ants. And things like that, where there is actually, you have to think about it, and where you actually see the process playing out, as opposed to, oh, let's let's sit here and wait for the timer to run out, or, oh, I have to farm some gold so I can buy the materials for this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, your second point. Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, you know you know what I'd like to see I would like to see an RPG that does family gaming well <laughs> an RPG that you can sit down and you can use it to introduce your you know 8 year old nephew or whatever to gaming and it's not, and it doesn't make his mom say, no, don't play that. And it doesn't, and it isn't totally lame for you to sit down and play. Or an RPG that you can sit and play with your parents and your siblings. Or, yeah. or something like that. You know, an RPG that is actually fun for a family to play. That isn't too offensive or too violent or too, uh, you know, complicated or too just um, 
obnoxious plate. Yeah. I think that would be a great thing. So what you're saying is you want an RPG for the whole family? Yeah, I do. I want an RPG that is experientially similar to getting the whole family together and watching a Pixar movie. Yes. Mm. Mom and dad yeah. don't go home saying, oh my god, I just had to sit through an hour and 40 minutes of that. Well, I hope the fucking kids are happy. <laughs> you know? And the kids or the kids don't come home scratching their heads going, oh, well, what was that? What just happened? That was boring. Why did they talk so much? <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean that, that that would yeah it would that would definitely be something cool you know to have instead of gathering the family up to play Monopoly or whatever I mean think think about what kind of games you play with your family yeah I mean like you play Monopoly categories Pictionary there's shit like that and while those games are fun there's definitely fun a different kind of fun to be had with an RPG I think. And uh, one that people don't necessarily, uh, can't necessarily easily get into. It's like, well, the idea, like, okay, well, I'm playing another person. It's like, should I talk in a funny voice or should I do whatever? And I'd like a game that just basically says, well, yeah, you know, talk in a funny voice, do whatever you want, you know, and have, make, make the experience fun for the other people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and have some fun yourself. Basically. Would... Oh, no, go on. No, go ahead. I was just going to say there would have to be some kind of rules there. Because the absence of rules would turn a lot of people off. Especially, right. I think, older people. You have to have those fun, almost parlor game-esque social rules. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that because that's what makes it possible for mom and dad and the kids to sit down and enjoy a game's categories together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the fact that the rules are light enough that it's not oppressive for the kids, but the experience is structured enough that the parents don't feel playing it, or they feel the right kind of stupid, you know? Right. And I think that's... You would need mechanics like that. You would really need, like, parlor game mechanics in order to make that work, so that... Because anything... That's too, um, you know, just structured too much like D&D with dice and stats and stuff. You're going to lose, you're going to lose the under 10 and over 30 crowd pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what are you laughing at, Alex? Are you realizing <laughs> that this too I've recycled from some previous conversation? <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm laughing at no one in the silence. <laughs> be awesome, bro. Yeah, that'd be a cool yeah. idea. Yeah, quick. So, does anyone have anything to say about that? Uh, well, I'd just like to say that um, I've actually designed a game that uh, can be played with children and parents, and uh, is actually designed to teach children the importance of basically reporting sexual abuse. It's called. It's called Needs of the Few. Oh, and no. If, if you want to play this game with your children, I fully <laughs> encourage it. But with, with the uh, parents playing the role of the captain. So that you can get as... You can get as squicky as you want, and you can... You know, you can get as... Uh, you can get as risque, I guess, as you want. And, I mean, you, you know your children. I mean, you know what they can handle. You know what they can deal with. So yeah. just just take it to that level, you know, and no further. <laughs> well, if your children didn't have any acts of sexual abuse to report, they certainly will after. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, see, that, that's, that's a touchy issue, I guess. I wonder how that would actually be done in a game. You know, a game, I mean, seriously, though, a game, what would be cool is a game that's, that's structured to deal with, like, sensitive shit like that mm. but it can actually do it in like a, without replicating shit without like necessarily replicating it or, or encouraging it or you know whatever <laughs> or forcing somebody to actually get their hands dirty and you know right. no, I mean, that, basically, no go on sorry 
uh, basically a game where, you know, it's like you you as the adult would know what was going on, you know, sort of, and, but the kid would just have a lot of questions at the end, like, you know, why did that man, you know, say this? Or why did he, um, what did he mean by that? You know, what do you mean by X or Y? And then the parent could explain it and it'd be like, you know, it'd be kind of like a, almost like a, I don't want to say a therapy game because it would be designed, you know, presumably to preempt abuse right. and that kind of thing. A preventive game. Yeah, preventative game. Well, I mean, that'd be cool to have some games that tackle tougher issues that can be played with a family. Like, even stuff like, uh, you know, like uh, death or that kind of shit. Yeah. That's true. You could play Dance Macabre with your family. Yeah, I was just going to say that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's musical chairs plus, like, freeform role-playing. I mean, how the fuck can you go on? That's true. You could actually scale that game down to... I mean, not the rules. The rules wouldn't have to be scaled down at all. But, like, you could play that game with content that would be safe for kids easily. Right, right. All right, so... Do we have any more topics? Because I only have one more left, and after that I think we're good. Anyway, Alex... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this is pretty much my last one, and that was the um, they were in the movie. They referenced uh, multiple times that a downed dragon is a dead dragon, and I thought that was a pretty good, good liner there because uh, uh, if you notice, you know, it was the Vikings who said that, and the Vikings are you know they you know live hard you know and all that kind of stuff. And that uh, if you don't have certain qualities that are, are like the Vikings, you're worthless to them. So, you know, what it would be interesting to not only have like games or characters be like that, or just to have situations where the values that you hold for for like the character holds those suddenly going away. Like what will they become afterwards? Like, you know, like the paladin, you know, no longer being the protective hero he thought he once was. You know, things like that. Or she, can't judge. You know, shit like that. <laughs> Your dog has something to say about that idea. <laughs> well, yeah, what do you guys uh, think about that one? Where, where like, you, you, you encourage either yourself or, like, a, maybe, like, another player to portray a character who fails to, you know, live up to what they believe in and, like, you I know, reflect like on I think things like that exist. I'm trying to think of some examples some good examples. I know there must be games that... Well, Polaris deals with the fallen paladin thing in some ways, doesn't it? Well, the the whole thing is it, you don't have to reference another game just with well, that idea. Well, my thought was that, that it's something that other games have tried to do-, do. Okay, okay. Yeah, Polaris has some of that kind of stuff into it. And yes, it has tried, and it has done a pretty terrible job at it. Well, uh, if you, I believe that yeah, guy yeah. had like a mm-hmm. you know download stuff for free, pay what you want, which a lot of people paid zero, and I was one of the people who paid zero because I wanted to read it first before actually giving them anything. Read it, thought it was shit, and uh, that it was involved in it. But yeah, they had it too. So you're right, there are some games that has it. But what's your take on it? Because <laughs> <laughs> since you don't really know what the, what, what their take on it was, just was, give us your take on it. Um, I really don't know. I mean, dealing with what what's what, what exactly is the question here? I take on. Yeah, Alex. Pretty much well, dealing. Go ahead. I think though. the yeah, question was: yeah. This is about playing a character who hasn't lived up to their own ideals, right? Or a character who has been forced to question their own ideals or their own identity. Yeah. Is I right, Alex? All right. Yeah, yeah pretty I mean, much in that ballpark. Playing characters right like that is always fun. Um, as far as a game that could do that, um, I don't know how that worked mechanically, but mm. it would be pretty neat to see something, and something that deals with it on a personal level. You know, whereas Polaris kind of deals with the whole civilization, I think. Yeah. What I understand about it. But, uh, you know, some, you know, it deals with it almost like, uh, What's it called? Monsignor 1244. Yeah. A game where it's like you're playing the, uh, you're playing these dudes who are getting attacked by the Crusaders. 
reference in episode 41. And what do you do? You know, what do you as an individual feel like? You know, I mean, obviously it's going to be a shitty experience. Right. But, uh, I mean, that's the fun of it. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to think of games that do this and how you would do it mechanically is my question. I mean, one thing you could do is you could play a game with a, a fractured timeline, you know, non-chronologically, chronological, excuse me, you know, where you begin at the end and then you tell the story backwards or you tell the story through flashbacks or something. And if you had a mechanical way to generate the flashbacks, that might be interesting. Or if you had different players playing the character at different points in their lives, mm. you know, so so Rudy might be representing the idealistic young crusader who's like, yeah, I'm going to go out and I'm going to, like, go kill some Muslims for God. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and Alex might play that crusader after he's witnessed his comrades, you know, commit a few rapes. And he's yeah. saying, oh, I wonder, you know, do we really need to rape quite so much? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. Every now and then, all know. the time. And then, like, I would play the cynical, jaded knight at the end who's like, oh, fuck it. This, I, I can't get down with this anymore. Who am I? Alright. <laughs> it's been a it's been a full hour, so uh any closing thoughts? If maybe you have one more point, go ahead and share yeah, it out I'm there. Good. But uh yeah, I'm, I'm I think we're pretty also. much uh, done. <laughs> so any any final thoughts then on All right. the shark boners or on this or on how to train a dragon or whatever. Well, I personally think that uh, Devon, Yarvis, and Akin are pretty cool dudes. They don't just—they just don't pay attention a lot to like you know the the finer things like <laughs> how to say people's names correctly or like you know check their emails you know shit like that. I can safely say that the Sharkbone podcast is my favorite podcast that I have never listened to. <laughs> With the possible exception of Theory in the Closet. Yeah. Clyde, we love you. Yeah, he's the man. Although I think I have heard, like, snippets of Theory in the Closet. Theory in the Closet. Theory from the Closet. <laughs> yeah. Righto. Rudy? Um, my final thoughts are... Basically, I'd like to see a Viking family movie where some rapes are committed. Yeah, I think we can all get on with that. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be for children, I mean, but... Just for families, or about a family? Yeah, about a Viking family, you know. But it should be a feel-good movie, you know. It shouldn't be like, you know, this is bad, you know. Yeah. It should definitely be a feel-good movie. Okay. So, before we go, I we didn't do any plugging at the beginning of the show, and I just have to plug the fact that Misery Tourism Games has a new game out. Maybe by the time this episode is released, it will be released August 1st. The game. Yeah. The game of the month. It's going to be, it's going to be new. It's going to be crazy. This is probably the least coherent, most demented game I have ever made. <laughs> and the more I work on it, the less coherent and more demented it gets. It's also the game I've had the most fun actually playing of any game I've ever made. And the game that Alex Swingle is least likely to enjoy. Alright, so are you going to say it? Well, I think that's all I need to say. Tune in August 1st, if it's not already August 1st when you're listening to this. If it is already August 1st, MiseryTourism.com, all one word. Wow, you are so... I mean, so so much hype for six-page manual. I mean, come on. No, man. <laughs> man. <laughs> if, I, if I don't harm myself out, who's going to harm me out? Your pimp? 
Oh, by by the way, I just did a shot in the dark. I had I completely didn't remember to know if it was, it was that or not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so dun, 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 dun. <laughs> the GM's reef is now officially over. Okay, you can go ahead and listen to uh, podcast. Uh, let's see, I gotta get the link up here. Basically, just go to Crosstalk for once and actually check out the Shark Boners there. We will actually put a link to their, to their section there. And on Crosstalk, this is going to be the most hardest for you guys or any of you listeners. You actually have to get on there and vote. Uh-oh. For our section. Because if we lose, <laughs> you lose. We're going to get rolled so hard. The Shark Boners <laughs> actually have people who comment on their episodes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so yeah, now that now we're done. All okay, right. <laughs> and tune in next time for episode fifty-three when we talk about Apocalypse Galactica and shit all over hacks. Yeah. Or maybe we love hacks. I don't know, but we're gonna talk about the idea of hacking Apocalypse World or hacking anything. Yes. All right. So, right. Unplug your microphone. Okay. Now. All right.